Ten years ago today, the Storm Prediction Center <clears throat> put up this forecast. And you don't see forecasts like this very often. Uh, for uh, To emphasize, this was ten years ago. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> What's described as a generational severe weather outbreak that occurred across the South, and we're going to talk about it today, uh, along with a whole host of uh, subject matters, too long to even list at this early juncture. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show. Joe Rayo on my left, and I am Joe Chaffee. And the uh, Joe and Joe Weather Show, as it is uh, every night, uh, brought to you by our friends at Omni True Value Hardware, Long Island's largest mulch provider. And they've got tons of mulch and just about everything you need to make your yard look terrific. And you can see it here. It comes in a whole host of colors. So you know what? Get your truck. Get your front loader. Actually, they have a front loader there. Uh, but get it over there at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, in southwest Suffolk County. The best prices in town, uh, compared to everybody else, uh, they do have the best prices in town. 631-756-1125. And the website is uh, omnitruevalue.com. So, uh, indeed, uh, Joe, that uh, severe weather the uh, outlook by the Storm Prediction Center on the actual day. And if you go to their archives, you can actually pull up uh, their forecasts going back to uh, the long range that they had when it was uh, showing up on their day six and day five. So the, you know, they certainly were ahead of the curve uh, 10 years ago when, uh, when this was happening. And uh, it, was, um, it was catastrophic uh, in terms of the number of tornadoes and, and the huge death toll. Uh, that uh, that took place out of this. You take note of the fact that on that map, Joe, we were just to the east of the slight risk of uh, severe weather on that particular day, but most of the activity uh, was occurring down over the uh, the Southland, so to speak. And yeah, it's very very unusual when you see on a convective outlook uh, a region outlined in high probability for severe weather. That does not happen uh, every every day or every month or even every year. It is It, it indeed was a, a most unusual occurrence uh, 10 years ago. 200, now this was <clears throat> for the actual day, uh, 292 tornado reports, and you can see them on the map here in the red dots. 438 uh, wind uh, reports of, uh, of, of damaging winds and I believe there were two reports that uh, were considered uh, on the high side. Uh, I'm guessing 65 knots or higher. Uh, <laughs> hail, 207 reports of hail, 24 reports of large hail for a grand total just on this day of 937 uh, reports. And if you scroll down, if you go in, again, you can go in the archives and pull this up. Uh, you can go uh, state by state by state, county by county uh, as to uh, what was observed and the uh, uh, what the what what the storms are low end you know for example here on one one instance here at New Carlisle in Clark Ohio uh, NWS storm survey confirms low end EF zero tornado uh, go uh, further down uh, Mississippi uh, number of homes mobile homes damaged along the path EF three tornado 140 mile an hour winds path length 13.6 miles maximum width a quarter of a mile. I mean, it's just, just, uh, just incredible uh, the, the, um, how, what this uh, setup produced. And again, just to give you another view of what they had. So they had, had a high risk in the northern half of Alabama, southern Tennessee, uh, south central Tennessee, northeastern Mississippi, and northwestern Georgia. Moderate risk going all the way up into Kentucky. And the slight risk carries all the way up uh, into uh, upstate New York, where there were, by the way, there were reports of tornadoes and severe thunderstorms in Pennsylvania, two reports in western New Jersey, uh, a number of reports uh, in upstate New York, mainly, uh, say, north of I-90 and along and west of I-81. Uh, and, of course, you see the huge concentration. Again, this is just for the one day. And I, I pulled up some of the... Um, 
uh, upper air maps here, which I thought were, you know, really interesting here. This is that, you know, you know how I like to look at that 700 millibar uh, map. And I mean, that is one wrapped up upper low, deep upper low sitting over northern Wisconsin. And then there's another upper low on the bottom of this trough. So you had a, a strong shortwave swinging around with a cutoff low there in northern, uh, northern Oklahoma. And you're seeing all these, you know, 50, 60, 70 knot winds at the 700 millibar level across Mississippi, Alabama, into Tennessee, uh, and then pushing northward even into um, Kentucky and in parts of Ohio. This was in the morning of uh, April 27, 2011. And when we move over to the evening hours, uh, that upper low is still pretty much the one in Minnesota sitting in the same spot. I mean, look at these, you know, strong, this huge jet that came around the base of that trough that uh, runs from Louisiana all the way up the west side of the Appalachians on up into western New York. I mean, we have 870, 85 knot winds at the 700 millibar level. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, a lot of that mixed down to the surface, and, and uh, obviously uh, uh, there was enough here to create a lot of, uh, of rotation <laughs> in, in uh, a whole host of places. I mean, this is really a very impressive uh, upper air. You know, this is the kind of thing you really don't see very often. This is sort of a one in 20 year, 30 year type event. Absolutely agree. Craig Carlberg is uh, on the chat board and he says, mm -hmm. I noticed on the uh, map of severity that there were no marginal areas in 2011. Well, Craig, the, uh, the, the what we're using now has only been around for the last three or four years. Back in 2011, yeah. there were only three ba basic classifications. There was there was slight, moderate, and uh, and high. And uh, I, I I guess yeah, they probably would have broken it uh, broken it down into uh, um, a greater. I mean, we have so many so many new categories now, Joe. I wouldn't even know what they would what they would have categorized this setup as uh, uh, if they were using today's setup uh, in 2011. But no question about it. This this was an amazing, an amazing super outbreak. Probably the only the the, the one outbreak before, prior to 2011. The the only other thing that stands out in my mind that uh, could have been comparable was the super outbreak way back in April of 1974. Xenia, Ohio, for example, completely destroyed by uh, one uh, potent uh, tornado that came on through that town. And uh, they had um, uh, dozens of uh, reports of tornadoes back then. By the way, very funny that we, we had the red and uh, the different dots indicating tornadic activity. Right. I, I, I chuckled a little bit. Indiana, <laughs> right smack in the middle of the state, one what? tornado. Yes. Report. Also, notice by the way on, on uh, yeah, I mean it's right there. There's the the there, that one little dot there in in in, uh, in in the great state of Indiana, right? And and the dot looks like it's almost exactly in the central part, center part of the state. There's also one dot on the right. Florida Panhandle where the Georgia where it meets the Georgia Alabama border. You can see that right. there too. Uh, Just the, a stone's throw from Tallahassee, I guess. Uh, yeah. The other thing is if you look on the risk zones. Uh, oddly enough, uh, you uh, since they didn't have a marginal risk, but they did have on both the easternmost side and the westernmost side a narrow band of a two percent probability of a of tornado. Which um, usually you would see that with a marginal risk or maybe even a slight risk nowadays. But they did actually uh, have severe you know, tornado risk in the area that was not in the slight risk. And the same also goes for the chance for um, the strong winds. And not not so much the hail, but the the, uh, the tornado and the strong winds is certainly, um, you know, on that fringe area without the marginal risk. And this is what it looked like, by the way. I pulled up the surface map from the surface maps from that day, and I'm going to go back uh, to uh, first thing in the morning at uh, 8 a.m. And I mean, the table was already set at uh, at 8 a.m. When you look at some of these obs across Texas. And uh, Louisiana, uh, you already have dew points uh, in, in uh, most of uh, Texas uh, in the eastern part of the state. Even in the western part of the state, the dew points were pretty high. Uh, the dry line you had to go back at this early stage was back in New Mexico and northwest Texas, where dew points were down in the low 20s. 
but uh, you've got dew points in the low 70s at, uh, at 7 a.m. Meanwhile, just for contrast, uh, you look at through you look through Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia at that time, uh, and and especially in the areas where the severe weather hit uh, the hardest, uh, the dew points started out the day in the fifties, uh, and if we uh, move the map along, those dew points came up in a big hurry by uh, two o'clock uh, in the afternoon. Those dew points were running up uh, close to uh, sixty. Now for some reason. It's not letting me load the next map after 18Z. I wonder why that is. That's odd. Let me see. Let me see if I go back one. Would that be 21Z? Yeah, it just stopped at 18Z, but there should be. The, it, it was there before. I'm not sure why it's not there now. Uh, I'll, let me see if I can reset this. Uh, either that, or everybody's in here doing the same thing. No, it. it they. It was here before because I pulled it up uh, with the low moving across uh, the, this low center that you see in southern Colorado, moving across and then heading up uh, toward uh, Illinois and Indiana with a really, really strong cold front. This is really bizarre. Just uh, well, I'll go to zero Z. Please select. Oh, I see why. Oh, never mind. Hold on a second. My mistake. Hang on a second. This is my error. Okay, my error. It, I had this preset, Joe, for for the, the 2011. I must have hit the wrong button here. All right, it went to 2021. No wonder that it's like, why is there no next map? Um, okay, so today, uh, so it's April the 27th, 2011. Now let's go back. I apologize for that. Uh, trust me, I had this preset. Okay. So here we go. Now let's go back to 12Z. And there's your frontal boundary in East Texas. What we actually saw, by the way, it reset back to what's going on today. So we'll get to that in a moment. I've, I'm, I, I'm red with embarrassment. Okay, so uh, dew points at 8 a.m. in East Texas, all in the low and even some, uh, you know, dew points at 73. Uh, you know, that, that's that's... You can cut that with, with, with you you can cut that with with your hand in terms of how how humid it was. You still had dew points. They were just setting the table here, upper fifties and low sixties, mostly low sixties through uh, Alabama and into northern Georgia. And then we'll go to the next map. You can see the low there in central Arkansas, and suddenly those seventy dew points start pouring in uh, to uh, to Alabama and uh, points north and east. And, of course, this low winds up going up. There it is with the actual surface low. A 993 low, which at the end of April is not too shabby a low in terms of depth in southern Indiana. I mean, you just had, you know, tremendous inflow here from the Gulf of Mexico. Just solid inflow here coming right out of the Gulf with uh, that very, very moist tropical air. And, of course, behind it, uh, you see the dew points after the front passed uh, down in the uh, low 40s. Uh, through Texas and 30s and 20s as you head back uh, up uh, further west into West Texas. So that was quite the dry, cool push, temperatures in the 60s and 50s. And then, of course, ahead of it, you had temperatures in, in the 80s. And uh, the upper air was just so dynamic. And and, and it led to a, I guess we can call it an atmospheric kaboom. And even in the Northeast, Joe, you had the dew points running up into the 60s and temperatures in the mid and upper 70s. Uh, throughout much of Pennsylvania and upstate New York. So the atmosphere was pretty ripe uh, up and down the eastern seaboard, but west of the coastal plain. Yes, very much. Uh, just shy of equatorial with those high dew points. And that, that, is, that is a very juicy air mass, so to speak. And uh, no wonder that we saw uh, such a tremendous uh, outbreak of not just tornadic activity, but also, I'm sure, uh, microbursts, uh, some some large hail. It, it was it it really. Uh, you're you're probably right, Joe. This was kind of like a generational. If you assume that a generation is 25 years, uh, this this certainly was a a generational event because it'll be a long time before I think we see that happen. And now, of course, I say that. Wait until later this spring or summer when we see uh, the next round of high potential. But it it doesn't happen, folks. It doesn't happen very often. And as Joe pointed out. Grand total, over 900 different uh, reports of different uh, variations of s severe weather. Uh, just, just an unbelievable day. 
And uh, looking at today, the Storm Prediction Center has a uh, slight risk uh, throughout much of central Texas uh, through uh, Oklahoma, southeast Kansas, western Missouri, another area of slight in eastern Colorado. Uh, for a change, it's not, the snow's not the issue, uh, although it is in the mountains. Uh, northeast, uh, northeastern uh, Kansas, the mountains west of Denver, I should say. Uh, also was uh, southwest Nebraska, small area of slight risk also in uh, south central Wisconsin. Uh, the uh, day two outlook, which is for tomorrow into uh, uh, tomorrow into Thursday, we've got slight risk again in, uh, in uh, Oklahoma and in central Texas. The marginal risk runs northeast through the middle Mississippi in a narrow band through the Ohio Valley into northwestern Pennsylvania, actually even into north-central Pennsylvania, and uh, western and central New York. And on the day three outlook, which is for Thursday into Friday, now a, a few things to have changed on the models today as far as uh, the end of the week is concerned, so we're going to get to that uh, as well. But there's a marginal risk in northern Kentucky, southern Ohio, much of West Virginia and southern Indiana. Uh, the general thunderstorms are actually south of New York City, down into southern Virginia. Much of the nation, the southeast is is, is quiet and dry. The northeast, north and east of New York City, quiet, and uh, at least from the standpoint of thunderstorms. No thunderstorms to worry about. And um, the western and central part of the U.S. also uh, very, very quiet uh, indeed on the uh, SPC forecast. So that takes us through uh, through Friday. And uh, let's go, I'm going at it a little backwards today. So let's uh, look at the satellite, which, I mean, it wasn't too bad a day, Joe. There were some patchy clouds around, especially early on, streaming from the northwest. You see those high clouds just sort of coming over the top. The old storm is still just kind of rotating there over Nova Scotia. And now, of course, you have this warm tropical, excuse me, warm tropical air surging into Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. And that's where our severe weather issues are going to be taking place. And uh, did anybody see a sprinkle this morning? I don't think anybody saw any sprinkles or spritzes. We mentioned that with the warm front, but uh, I, I, I woke up and uh, actually when I woke up this morning, Joe, just a lot of thin high clouds, a fair amount of blue sky and also some bright sunshine. So it turned out to be, you know, at least up here, a pretty nice day overall. I didn't get a chance to look. What were the highs today? Generally speaking, they were in the uh, upper 60s to around 70. Um, I, I think, uh, up here we were at 67, 68 degrees. Um, and of course tomorrow the, uh, the push of warmer and probably more humid air. And, uh, the question is just how high are we going to get it? I, I think the question for tomorrow is going to be dealing with how much cloud cover we're going to have. I think we're going to see more clouds and sun. And then with the chance later in the day, of shower and even by tomorrow evening thunderstorm activity, one has to wonder just how high up are the temperatures going to go. I certainly, it looks like, it's, in my opinion, 70s to around 80 for most inland areas, um, 60s to near 70 right along the uh, south-facing shorelines. And uh, again, I think what's what's going to prevent it from going out of control, what it's going to prevent it, and I, I remember a, a couple of forecasters alluding several days ago is, you know, saying, well, Wednesday, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw temperatures in the mid to upper 80s or maybe even approach 90 degrees. Well, unless we have a, cl a clear or very, you know, very few clouds out there tomorrow, I think what's going to hold the temperatures down will be the cloud cover. High temperature, according to my lovely wife looking at the weather station output, 67, currently right now, 61. Uh, in uh, in beautiful downtown Put Putnam Valley, which should not be confused yes. with beautiful actually, we're, uptown Put Putnam Valley. Well, actually, we're more we're, we're more uptown than downtown. Downtown is where the post office is, and uh, also the bank. Um, uptown, there ain't much to say about uptown except that we live here, and uh, right down the road is the filling station. Uh, I can't see and uh, Sam Drucker take care I of was, that. I was, going, I was just going to say that, you know, and of course, whenever you need something that you can't find in town, you just you just take a ride over to Pixley and pick it up over there. That's right. And I want to thank Mr. Reuben Fairchild. Thank you so much for pointing out that Lee Goldberg has 85 degrees uh, for tomorrow. Uh, just to 
uh, negate what I just said, uh, <laughs> saying around 80 and anything higher than that, you have to deal with the cloud cover. But I'm sure we're all happy that Lee Goldberg is going for <laughs> 85 tomorrow. Incidentally, if in case, Mr. Mr. Fairchild, in case you want to know, uh, Lonnie Quinn is going for 84. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, and they won't come on this show. <laughs> and you, and you want to, if you want to, if you want to report back to me and tell me what Janice Hoff is saying, uh, I'll, I, I'd be most appreciative. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sarcasm is just such a wonderful thing. Um, I just want to yes. see just what the digital forecasts for the weather service are doing tomorrow, uh, because and I was having trouble loading this earlier today. Uh, so on the digital forecast, they've got 80, 83 at, at Capixi, uh, 84 at LaGuardia, 75 at Islip. So, you know, northern Nassau, northwestern Suffolk County will probably get close to 80, I would think, even if the sea breeze decides to come in. Trenton, 85. Philadelphia, 87. Uh, 85 for Reading. Harrisburg, 85. 88 for Baltimore. 88 for Washington. Uh, nobody... There's an 89. I don't know what that that dot uh, that dot is midway between Richmond and uh, Staunton, uh, Virginia. I don't see any 90s here. Mostly middle and upper 80s up and down the eastern seaboard. But you're you know you're right, Joe. It it, it you you got to be a little careful because sometimes even when you have that that those westerly isobars uh, this time of year with the ocean water temperature still sitting in the upper 40s, that 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 uh, sea breeze can be. Uh, you know, a little ten, a little sneaky, and uh, suddenly yes. at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, you you see Newark's wind go from uh, two seventy to one to to one sixty, uh, and uh, the temperature drops off. I'm not saying it's going to happen like that tomorrow, but uh, certainly if you look at some of the temperatures, for example, over eastern Long Island and into southeastern New England, they're in the uh, upper fifties. And by the way, this is a setup where the further north you go, the lower your temperatures are going to be. So, uh, you know, we, we've had a number of these upside-down instances where you wind up seeing temperatures well up into the 80s in upstate New York and in New England, and we're cooler than the south. But uh, in this particular instance, because of the orientation of the ridge, uh, uh, the upper ridge, the warmer temperatures are going to be more as you go south and west and, and also inland. The one thing I did notice, Joe, is going to pop off to Thursday. And, uh, again, this is because of that frontal boundary being so close now, it still has upper 60s and low 70s uh, in uh, southern New England and uh, the lower and middle Hudson Valley, Long Island, except for, again, the east end and southeastern New England. But you know, that that's that's definitely because of the wind off the water. But, you know, you start to go down, particularly you go across 195 in New Jersey and point south. It's, it's in the low and mid 80s again. So that's where your boundary is. It's literally going to be lying... You know, probably across Long Island, New York City, or just south of Long Island, New York City, uh, to about Allentown or just north of Harrisburg. Somewhere in there is where this frontal boundary is going to wind up. It's going to be. It actually makes Thursday a real challenge as far as forecasting temperatures. How much cloud cover are you going to have? Uh, are there going to be scattered showers around? That's another question, and that's going to also impact temperatures. Uh, it, 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 it's a very, very tough call for Thursday. Actually, I think, uh, you know, depending upon where that front is going to be on Thursday and the wind direction, if we get east easterly or east-southeasterly winds, I could see Thursday turning out to be cloudy straight on through the day. I could even see, Joe, with the frontal boundary so close that there'll be areas of patchy fog and there, there, there might be some, uh, you know, spotty or intermittent uh, shower activity. It may be actually, the, I think the best chance of our seeing convective type precipitation thunderstorms for example will come at the end of tomorrow and into the first part of tomorrow night and thereafter i think whatever precip we see here will be more of a showery or or spotty uh, intermittent rain type lingering on into thursday and of the two days tomorrow and thursday i definitely think the cloudier of the two is going to be thursday maybe even as i said a bit of fog out there too again all depending upon where that uh, that frontal line eventually ends up. And of course, the whole um, the whole profile for Friday has changed because now 
it looks like instead of a, a, another low, pulling that front back up north as a warm front and then sweeping a cold front through Friday, it looks like the models want to kind of put their energy on that low to the north on the frontal boundary on Thursday, bringing a front through, bringing that front south and east Thursday night into Friday morning. Because, I mean, you're looking at highs in the 60s uh, all the way down into Maryland on uh, on Friday and only upper 60s and low 70s just about everywhere else. Uh, so a bit of a change here certainly takes my idea of maybe a risk for severe weather on Friday completely off the table. If that if if um, if, if the Thursday night front is the front and, and you wind up with just waiting for the upper trough, which won't have much to work on uh, to come through later Friday or Friday night. I think I think Friday, by the way, uh, on the European, I noticed that they were actually pushing 540 thicknesses into our area during the day on Friday, Joe. Naturally. That upper, upper system, that upper system, if, if that turns out, we're going to have an incredibly unstable air mass on, on Friday. It kind of crossed my mind. Now, you said you wanted to take severe weather off the table, but yet it crossed my mind. I know, but with the deep upper trough, you wonder. Yeah, with the deep upper trough, I'm saying to myself, could it possibly be that we could end up with, uh, in the afternoon hours, some low top convection? Or maybe, as we were talking about yesterday, some of those hailers, those those uh, pea-sized hail makers? Uh, or, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of a thing. It looks, it looks so incredibly unstable, especially uh, upstairs with uh, that pool of cool air moving in, that you have to wonder what exactly... Is nature going to try to cook up for us on Friday? Uh, and then b behind all of that, on Saturday, I wish, you know, the, the, the one thing I would emphasize about Saturday is the wind. I'm not sure if we're going to approach or reach uh, wind advisory criteria, but I, I'm getting the feeling more and more that we're going to be seeing wind gusts on Saturday, 35, maybe 40 miles an hour or more. It, it'll turn out to be a fairly sunny day, but it is going to be a blustery day, maybe kind of like what we had here yesterday when we were seeing Lots of strong gusty winds as well, all out of the northwesterly direction. That would be for the the start of your weekend on Saturday. Yeah, and, and low to mid sixties for highs on on Saturday from uh, uh, Pennsylvania to southern New England, and then you get upper sixties to around seventy as you get down into Maryland and uh, Virginia, and uh, the cool seventies uh, down into uh, the southeastern part of the U.S. Seventy one for me for a high. On uh, on Saturday, I was looking at the fork. I actually have the air conditioning on. It got to 80 today, and uh, I was cooking something in the oven, so the inside temperature got to 75. So I just threw the AC on just to cool it off uh, ever so slightly. Uh, Tornado HQ, Joe. Guess where all the action is uh, tonight? At least so far, uh, there have been a number of tornado warnings in Colorado, uh, in um, Kit Carson and Yuma County. Uh, two uh, uh, tornado warnings there, Lincoln County, Cheyenne, a couple of uh, tornado warnings in Cheyenne. All of them have expired uh, in the last hour or so. Kiowa County, I don't know if I said that right. Ruthless Goat, if I'm making a mistake, let me know. Uh, K-I-O-W-A, Iowa. Uh, uh, K-I-O-W-A, Kiowa? Um, don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, a couple in Texas, in Wichita and Will Barger, Texas. Uh, expired there. Uh, Baylor, Ford, Knox, Will Barger, another one earlier three hours ago, four hours ago uh, in King, Texas. And that's it. So at least so far, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve 10, 11, 12, 12 tornado warnings, the vast majority of them. Uh, in northeastern Colorado. And that was an area of risk that was not indicated in the long range, and SPC wound up uh, going back and adding it in. If we look at the radar, uh, as of 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time, uh, I'm just giving it a quick refresh, uh, you uh, can see those big thunderstorms in northeastern Colorado. A pretty impressive development there uh, going on. Nice little line uh, that's uh, approaching uh, northwest Kansas and uh, southwestern Nebraska. Also, some showers and storms now moving out of uh, north-central Texas. There's a line that's forming there, well to the west of Dallas, uh, by the way. Uh, but uh, you can see there's a strong line that probably runs uh, south of um, Lubbock down to about Midland and then runs northeast 
uh, through uh, the state of Colorado. So we'll probably see some uh, additional severe thunderstorm warnings uh, in the next several hours. If you're watching this on a replay, by the way, remember, go to weather.gov to your local National Weather Service office uh, to check out their forecast and uh, what is going on with respect to severe weather. Because obviously, if you're watching this on a replay tonight or, or tomorrow, it's it's clearly uh, what you're seeing is um, is dated. WPC on their seven-day rainfall, still not showing a whole lot uh, in in uh, from southern New England down into uh, North Carolina, basically uh, a quarter of an inch or less, and in some cases a tenth of an inch or less. However, they are showing <clears throat> rather robust precip uh, in and where it's needed in uh, upstate New York and in central New England, where we saw the showed the drop drought maps yesterday. <clears throat> they're uh, they're in a drought situation there. Also in the middle Mississippi, lower Ohio Valley, uh, down into uh, <clears throat> excuse me into uh, Arkansas and uh, Oklahoma and through uh, central, uh, central Texas, anywhere from an inch and a half to three inches plus. Uh, the west is dry except for the northwestern corner of Washington. And, of course, you see a lot of the precip that's uh, covering uh, Colorado, Nebraska. Uh, and uh, now, for the first time, we've been saying almost reflexively that uh, this would be that this was all in the form of snow. Well, obviously, now where we're seeing thunderstorms, uh, it, that isn't the case, but in the uh, some of the mountains west of um, west of Denver, west and north of Denver, there are uh, a few winter storm warnings that are still up for a foot plus of snow uh, tonight into Wednesday. Uh, so it, it it ain't done yet uh, out um, out in the western in the west. Doesn't want to go away. As Yogi said, as Yogi said, it ain't over till it's over, and it looks like it's not going to be over at least uh, through the end of the month. <laughs> Well, as I like to say, it ain't over till the fat lady sings and she's clearing her throat. Uh, in, in the obviously for us, the, the, the fat lady has sang her aria. She's taken off her makeup and you know she's she's gone out drinking. So you know, uh, it's all done. Uh, running through the upper air, kind of interesting uh, from what it was showing yesterday and now in the GFS, kind of shifted around a little bit. Uh, looks more like the European does. Now, this thing over Nova Scotia finally lifts out. And, of course, you see the ridge position that we're here in the eastern part of the United States for tomorrow and into the first part of Thursday. And then you've got this trough that's swinging down out of Canada. Big blocking high in southern Greenland is, is forcing, you know, displacing the, the jet stream further south. Yeah, I mean, Joe, you look at this upper trough coming through Friday night. Uh, you know, it, it, it's fairly strong. But... Again, I, I, I'm going to be curious to see how this all works out because I was looking at the dew points for Friday. Now, all of a sudden, they went from showing dew points in the 60s to dew points in the 40s. So that's that's kind of the reason why I sort of took away the idea of, of you know any 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 sort of severe weather. But uh, the upper trough is there, so I think we have to uh, pay a little attention to it. And then that swings out uh, over the weekend. And instead of a ridge building now in the east, there's more troughing coming down because the block... Uh, over uh, Greenland and in the northeastern Canada just kind of sits there into next week. And that just keeps the jet further south and fairly active uh, through the middle and latter part of next week. In fact, look at this at the end of next week, Joe. Look at this deep trough that the GFS makes uh, at the end of next week. I don't know how real this is, but my God, if that, that that's a really, for, for early May, that is a, uh, and, and, and going into Mother's Day weekend, no less. Mother's Day weekends the last few years have not been good, if, as, as, my, as I recall. There's been a problem with almost every one of them. Uh, I, I don't have a memory about that, but uh, I, I can remember some Mother's Days. I, I remember one Mother's Day that I think, no, it couldn't have been wet snow. It was, it was, just, it was just like a miserable, dank, dreary, chilly day. For Mother's Day, yeah, I don't remember yeah, how, the moms how it don't was often. I don't remember what the moms. Uh, the moms don't get. The moms don't get a, get a, get any good luck. I think on their day, uh, usually more yeah. often than not. <laughs> so yeah, it runs in streaks like everything else. Uh, then that trough pulls pulls out and then back into maybe a ridge position in the longer long term. But who knows how how right that is? So let's run to uh, let's run through the surface map really quick and uh, see what the world has to offer here. And 
All right. So. And by the way, with that with that upper trough coming through on Friday night, I'm envisioning Joe the winds freshening up in the afternoon on Friday out of the northwest, and then once the the axis of that upper trough moves past us, sometime let's say late night on Friday night, say you know one two in the morning, all of a sudden the winds just start roaring. Well, maybe not roaring, but uh, the winds really start picking up quite a bit as. Uh, we get into the uh, back end of that upper trough, leading us into a, again, a very windy or blustery day on Saturday. The, uh, the GFS has this has a warm front to our north with some showers tonight in upstate New York and even down into uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut around 2 a.m. And then, of course, they're long gone. And uh, again, you know, the, I, I kind of think the gradient is tight enough to keep winds mostly west tomorrow. But you know what? you got to be careful. It's not super tight. And you've got this low and cold front that's approaching uh, for Wednesday night into Thursday. And uh, the model does try to bring in some showers uh, during Wednesday night that move more in New England than anything else. We're kind of on the edge of that. And then, of course, you could see the, the weather that breaks out across uh, Texas on Wednesday and on up through Oklahoma, Missouri, uh, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. That is, of course, where SPC is, is focusing their risk. And then here's on, here's Thursday. Thursday evening, Joe, the front is literally sitting. I mean, if you draw a line, I mean, it's got showers. Uh, that could even be rain, actually. If you look at the radar, I mean, southern New England, over Long Island, New York City, eastern PA, there's a low in northwest Jersey, and the front is just kind of sitting right on top of this zone and you know now the gfs is doing what the other models doing that is friday morning uh the front is right on the coast and then of course you know you do have the gradient tightening up a bit friday afternoon into friday night and and th uh, through the, at least the first part of saturday it starts to relax a little later in the day but you know it might be close to it listen if it was blowing away the other day where it didn't look like we were at advisory criteria and we almost were um, I suppose we could wind up in the same place. And then going forward, the weekend looks okay. Um, you know, it's not going to be perfect. There's another front comes through on Sunday that dies out before it gets here. And then you've got this stuff that forms in the Gulf of Mexico and runs up the East Coast with some rain off the Delaware coast uh, Sunday, uh, Monday night into Tuesday. We'll see if it makes it this far north. But you, also, Joe, you can see the action of the block because the low – you know, the system comes up the coast and then gets shoved out to the east off the Jersey coast. And then you get another one right behind that one. So suddenly that what looked like was going to be a warm first um, first week of May, or at least the first part of the first week of May, doesn't look quite as attractive on today's runs that it did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I've been saying all along, Joe, you know, once you get past, you know, three or four days, you know, if you're going to try to make an extended forecast of any kind, and this, you know, again, leads up to those uh, TV stations, uh, and there are a couple of them, giving you 10-day outlooks. I mean, you, once you get past four or five days, forget it. I mean, I I, I wouldn't trust uh, a forecast much beyond five days uh, for as far as I can throw it. So, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're if you're hoping, as you just said, for uh, for for balmy days as we move into May. That's beginning to let look less and less uh, probable. Yes. Now I'm going to play. Um, I'm going to play the vacationing tourist who has come home and uh, wants to show everybody his pictures or her pictures. And uh, I just want to show you my little Robin here uh, that uh, I have been uh, taking care of. Uh, we picked him up on Saturday, and I have to tell you, he has grown so much in the last three days, um, shockingly. And I, that's, I'm uh, impressed that he's standing, that he's on top of the, I'm, I'm impressed that he's like on the box and he's not trying to fly around the house. Well, no, he's, that's, that's great. I have him out on the, I have him out on the porch and today he, he's been, he's been, you know, flapping his wings, getting his strength. And he was able to fly from the, his, his actual nest, which fell off the tree. Uh, I found it, um, in my walk the next day. Uh, I brought the nest home, and he spends his, was spending his time in there. And then um, uh, today, uh, he yesterday he kind of just sat on the edge of the nest all day, kind of flapping his wings. And today he's parked himself 
pretty much on the box, although he did actually jump off there and fly off to the rail. Uh, I have a screened-in porch, so he's protected from um, from getting out for now. I want to wait till he's uh, strong enough to, to fly on his own. But you know what? He's he's uh, uh, he's grown so much, and that's by the way. I'm feeding him because you know it's amazing, Joe. I put this up on Facebook. Nobody reads or li there's audio to this, but I'm not playing the audio. Um, uh, the uh, uh, the little boydie, uh the little bird. Uh, so I, I, I didn't want to, I could have gone to the bait and tackle shop, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's for me, everything is a 10 mile trip. So I did what I did the last time that I had this, uh, situation. And, uh, that, that was, um, I, I, I took dog food and, and soaked it in warm water until it got really soft. Uh, it's mostly protein because Robins, when they, uh, when they're raising young, uh, are um, uh, what they're doing is they, they, they go off their seed diet and they go to insects and they feed their babies insects. So I just substituted a different protein. So I know what I'm doing because I've done this before. Anyway, that's my Robin. Now, who, would have, who would have thought, who would have thought this back in January when you, you made your, your trek down into, into Georgia and you got yourself all set up down there that now here you are, it's just you and JJ and the Boyd. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, I did go. This is Bell Mountain, which is about 20 minutes from my house. It's uh, 3,300 feet above sea level. I'm 2,200 feet. But let me tell you, that thousand, that extra 1,000 wow. feet is, is almost straight up. When you're on this road to get up there, Joe, it's a it's think of a one-lane road that acts as a two-way, a, 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 a one-lane road that acts as a two-way. And I mean, literally, if you have a car coming in the other direction, you have to pull off the side of the road and you're sort of inches from, from you know, the edge. And, and we're doing this going up the mountain. Somehow we, we managed to make it. But the views here were just absolutely stunning. And in fact, uh, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful, clear, sunny day. In the background, those mountains in the background, that is, that's the state of Tennessee. So that's about 50, 50 or so, 50, 60 miles of, uh, of, of visibility. And uh, this is on the other side, which is not developed. Okay, so I just wanted just to give you perspective here. This is on the other side of the, uh, of, of, uh, the viewpoint. Um, and, and these are some other shots here. Um, Brasstown Bull is the other mountain that is very close to me, and that's the next trip up. That is actually the highest peak in the state of Georgia. It's, uh, I believe, it's 6,300 feet above uh, sea level. So I'm in these. You know, what I would. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say. I, I'm in, I would, I'm I would in... love to know. Go ahead. I would, I would love to know what it's like to be up there at night. I would love to see this, what the sky looks like, because obviously I don't see any street lights. Yeah, no, there's no light pollution. So, there's no light pollution oh, at all. God. I mean, it's just, you know, these, these shots were just amazing. Uh, and, and, and it, you know, it doesn't do it justice when you can't, uh, uh, when you're actually there. I, I don't care how, you know, I, I just did these pictures, obviously, off my phone. Uh, but to see it uh, was, uh, was truly, truly stunning, uh, breathtaking. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of share that. We still have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I love it. I, I love uh, what you got up there. That's that's fabulous. That's so, fantastic. This and is, I, this I, is I beautiful. A, beautiful country here. And I see that a few people have uh, complimented you on your looking after the bird. The bird. One of them said the bird is very lucky to have you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Johnny Quest wants to know why do tornadoes tend to develop in the right rear quadrant of the storm of a storm? Well, that's where the warm sector is. Correct, correct. If it, that's, I mean, if, you, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have a hurricane coming your way, the last place you want to be is in the right rear uh, quadrant, because that's where that's where all the warm, juicy air happens to be, which is unfortunate for. That's where that's where New York and Long Island was with Hurricane Sandy. Everybody calls Sandy Superstorm Sandy, Joe, but really, uh, compared to some of the storms like Donna, for example, 
some of the other hurricanes we had in years prior to Sandy. Sandy was just, you know, really like right on, teetering on the edge between tropical storm and hurricane. But the thing that made Sandy so, quote, super was the track that it took. It, it went into central New Jersey and put the entire New York City metropolitan area in the right rear quadrant of the yeah. storm. And that's why we, we ended up seeing what we what we got uh, as, as opposed to other even more potent, even more powerful storms that passed over, you know, 20, 30, 40 years prior. Grasstown Ball, Johnny Quest has just corrected me. Somebody told me it was 6,300 feet. I didn't look it up. 4,784 is the um, is the height on uh, uh, Brasstown Bald. I said Brasstown Bald. It's I haven't been here that long, so that's Brasstown Bald. Uh, so let's uh, yeah. let's move on to a uh, Briller Jeopardy for uh, Mr. Rayo tonight. Uh, it's uh, astronomy is. Um, uh, uh, the uh, subject matter to infinity and beyond. So we've got seven questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. What planet's moons are at, named after characters created by William Shakespeare and Alexander Pope? <laughs> well, William Shakespeare and Alexander, th th these have to be relatively new names or relatively new satellites. I could it be Uranus and Uranus? That is Uranus. That is correct. What is a Martian day called? What is a Martian day called? That I have no. I know that the day is equivalent to like twenty-four hours and thirty-seven minutes, but there's a name for it. I guess that came out of uh, the recent, you know, Martian or the recent mars probes that have uh, visited there and they said well we have to have a name for a martian day i that i that i don't know i'm about to learn something here soul. i guess sol 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 which is you know we work uh, with a that that um, at, at that at at fios we worked with a guy named sol yes <laughs> but that was s-a-u-l <laughs> This is S O L. S A U L. Okay. Right. Uh, which is which means sun. Um, what is the largest moon in the solar system? Would that be? Well, I don't think it's Titan. I don't think it's Titan. Is it Titan or Triton, or maybe Ganymede? It's Ganymede. That is correct. The... Yes, it's forty-one percent the size of Earth. Our current North Star yeah, is, is our, our current North Star is Polaris, and it will be replaced by what star in one thousand in thirteen thousand years? Vega. That is correct. What is the fastest spinning planet in our solar system? That would be Jupiter. That is correct. What nine, two? What nine hours? Nine hours and fifty-five minutes. <clears throat> name the two. Name the two planets that have no moons. Uh, it would be Mercury and Venus. That is correct. And finally, on the last question, if you if you get this correct, you're going to win the fur coat from Dicker and Dicker of Beverly Hills. <laughs> what what element is named after the seventh planet from the sun? What element is named after the seventh planet from the sun? Right. This should be easy. Well, let's see. This. Well, the seventh planet, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranium. Uranium, that is correct. So you win the beautiful fur yes. coat from Dicker and Dicker of Beverly Hills. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather have the, the, the silverware set, the silverware tea set from the Michael C. Fina company. company. And this is, of course, and there's always the... Uh, the $50 gift certificate from the famous Spiegel catalog company, Spiegel, catalog Chicago, company. Illinois, 60609. <laughs> we got to save those because um, uh, Joe Moskowitz, uh, who uh, we Joe and I both worked with uh, in our News 12 days, um, you older News 12 fans will remember him, uh, but he's uh, starting his own podcast next week. So once he gets that underway, I, I asked him to come on. Uh, on the show and promote it and talk about it and uh, we'll have some fun reminiscing about the old days. 
since since neither yeah. since none of us can get into any sort of trouble by anything that we say at this stage of our lives. Yeah, we ought to bring on Norm Devoskin. That 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 would be. Yeah, that I, would really be going down memory lane. Yes, that certainly would be. Um, I'm not sure though. I think Norm is. I think Norm is still using a rotary phone though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just beyond the rotary phone. You got rid of your flip phone, so that was that was a big step forward for you. Yes, uh, scream, we, we, screaming and kicking. I might add. Yes. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here tonight, folks. Thanks for being here. Thanks uh, for joining us. Oh, one thing. Yeah. One thing. One thing I need to need to mention is that we had uh, one of our local weathercasters in the New York market reached a milestone today, an amazing milestone. And I'm sure many on the chat board uh, know who I'm talking about. It was Craig Allen, who on this day, Joe, 40 years ago, wow, did his first weather forecast on on WCBS. News read back then it was News Radio 88. It's now right. News Radio 880. But for someone to, first of all, you know, continuously work in the same field, you and I did that for 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 40 years. That's that's one thing. But to work for the same company, 40 consecutive years, that is unbelievable. And he is he is still on News Radio uh, 880 today as he was 40 years ago. The, uh, uh, another uh, colleague of his estimated that. Craig has done on CBS 350,000 weathercasts. Wow. I, I, I said to, I said, I posted on my Facebook page, Craig unequivocally is the Cal Ripken of local uh, uh, broadcasters, me, broadcast meteorologists. And he has, he has uh, recorded uh, so many weathers uh, on CBS, so many weathercasts. Uh, he's been doing it for 350,000 degree days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's insane. That's terrific. Congratulations to Craig. Uh, hope all is well. Uh, and, uh, okay. That's it. Now we can say goodbye. Now we could say goodbye. All right. So goodbye again. Thanks everybody for being here. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow night at uh, 730 Eastern time. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody!